Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. This is 11 personnel. I'm Nick Roush hanging out with you tonight, as always, with Adam Luckett. And Adam, it's going to be a, a different show tonight. And just off the top, uh, you got to say that we're living in a weird, weird world right now. And I, I've said that oftentimes over the last few months, but just when we thought it couldn't get any weirder, it, it's, it's taken a dark turn. It's a really sad time in the city of Louisville where we both live. And just when you think that things can't get worse, seems like they keep getting worse. And I, all we can do is just, I mean, we can do a lot more, but as of now, I just, I want to pray for the people out there who are in the middle of all of this, who have experienced loss and suffering and, for a little while, I, I'd like to help people put their hand in this, head in the sands and provide a small distraction. Um, I, I think that's the least we can do because right now, terrible, awful things are happening in our city, and I just I hate it. I'm it's gross. I've been sick in my stomach, and I I really don't know what more else to to say other than I I just I'm sorry that everybody's going through this right now. And like Andy Bashir says, I hope we can get through this together. And tonight we can provide, or today or whenever you listen to this, we can provide just a couple minutes of, of talking ball. Sad is the right word, Nick. I don't consider myself someone who gets, you know, way far into politics and all this. But this whole situation, it's just, I mean, it's awful. We're seeing our city here just be gutted from the inside out. And then on top of everything, then the accident that happened, I believe, last night or early this morning. I'm not really sure. Where, um, yeah, yeah. Um, McAtee, forgive me for not knowing. His David McAtee, yeah. David McAtee mm-hmm. um, was somehow um, shot and killed. Uh, recipes turns out he was, uh, you know, a friend of the police department and a supporter. And whatever happened, happened. And and then you you see what you think might be, you know, some type of – you know, for lack of a better word, corruption or what went on with why the, the body cams weren't on and that right, right. So just sad, man. I'm not a guy who prays a lot, but I, I have, and I'm going to, you know, say some prayers tonight just cause we're in, like you said, weird times and it's just, it's sad. It's just really sad. And hopefully, you know, this can unite all of us. Um, mm-hmm. so we can stick together and get through this, but yeah, definitely, just- definitely strange, strange times. Um, for our city and around, and not just our city. I mean, it's hitting close to home for sure here, yeah. but just around the country in general, what everybody's it's, going through. It's everywhere, and you can't really ignore it. But, um, you know, and, and like you, like it, I'm kind of a football guy in that, you know, I try to bottle up all those emotions. And when you're watching the news and you're, I'm like, 
seeing the people sing Amazing Grace at 26 and Broadway, and I'm just like, Nick, stop it. Like, you stop, but you can't help it. It's just terribly sad. And uh, I did something this weekend, like it, that I haven't done in a long time. I went fishing for a couple hours, and it was just a glorious reprieve from everything. And it was a nice little snap back to react, just, just to, to kind of wash my hand, to, to get all the grossness away. And it, it felt good. And so hopefully over the next 45 minutes or so, we can talk a little football, make things feel normal for some folks out there uh, who are living in the middle of anything that is but normal. So, and with absolutely. that. Absolutely. I couldn't say it better myself. Let's, let's I, have an awkward, clumsy transition into football. Let's do it. Um, because, because really that's like, if there's nothing that feels more normal, it's talking sports, it's getting mad over dumb stuff. And I think the most normal thing there is out there is Adam Luckett was at a Roosters drinking beer recently. <laughs> yes, I did go to Roosters on Saturday. It felt good to be back. Now I'm, I just got to get over to the Roadhouse. On I know. You'll have the Oklahoma uh, report card checked. You'll, you'll be <laughs> back at passing grades. I'm curious. So I, I I haven't been to Lexington since the pandemic started, so I haven't been to KS Bar since uh, we've reopened. I'm curious, Is it is it still just like – all the sports channel on all the time or do, have they changed up their, their TV viewing experiences at the, at the roosters yeah, since see, the pandemic? We were on the patio because patio is on not unlimited, but they can have somebody at every table. Yes. But the bars are totally shut off. Like you can't go up to the bars and then inside it's 33% capacity. So right. whatever that, that is, but yeah, I mean, the TVs are on um, still kind of that same kind of atmosphere, I guess you would get. But this right. is a weird time to be at a, a sports bar like that because there's not – even if things are normal, there's not really a lot going on in the May, early baseball June. Baseball right. going on, right. Like so, that, that, that one TV in the corner that's got TVG on. Um, yeah, that, that one. <laughs> the degenerates. <laughs> is it for me? <laughs> Which, by the way, Churchill Down Meat, it has not been kind to me. I don't know what it is. Then pick threes. They're suckers, but, man, they, they've been getting me real bad. Um are we seeing a pickup in the horse racing industry? We have, but we haven't. Like, I know they've had some bigger numbers. Like, uh, Churchill Downs opening weekend was real big. But a lot of it, I think, is just money that would typically be spent elsewhere. So, your degenerate in New York doesn't have New York tracks to bet on just yet. I think they're okay. opening this week. So, I think their money's just shifting around. Still and, the same people betting. It's just... Yeah, yeah. And there, there spot, might be... Like I, I've seen a couple guys on Barstool, you know, who are. Yeah, I've seen that show with Riggs and a few other guys. Yeah, and so I, I'm sure there's some folks who are, uh, who were typically casual. I'm gonna just bet when I go to the track, but now there's nothing else on, so they're just gonna bet from home. But I'm sure it isn't this massive, enormous bump. Um, the one thing that is the same about horse racing is they're still cheating. So and and there's still <laughs> horses that are getting hurt uh, early that have to retire. So. You know, that that's at least say the same. Uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, Bob Baffert had a horse test positive. A horse named Charlatan tested positive for drugs. Like, of like all the steroids. ironies. This was actually a lidocaine, so it wasn't like a steroid per se. You know, that's like a numbing agent. But you right. can't have it, like, close to raceway. So, uh, they're, they're – So, they're he gave that horse because he was like – have a sore foot or something. So they give him lidocaine they, they, to they shot his knee up, you know, it's all, uh, okay. It's, 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 it's John void in the trainer's room with the big needle. 
<laughs> shove it in his knee. <laughs> or Wendell. But, but if if uh if that does come back true and Charlton is out of the Belmont, that would have been I mean, Baffert had New York like I Justify failed a drug test before his big prep race too. And that kind of didn't come out until after it won the triple crown like a year later. So people were like, oh, you know, it was just one. But if Baffert turns out he's juicing up all his horses to get him in the derby. Now we're learning why he won those triple crowns. Jesus, yeah. Like, let's just get our biggest shining star in trouble. You know, that's like Reggie Bush getting his Heisman taken away kind of stuff. Your crown jewel guy that dominates – Turns out he was cheating the whole time. And this would be a different kind of cheating than Reggie Bush getting a house. Because, you know, some people, they don't care. Like, it's like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Players getting paid in college sports? Oh, gasp. But, like, juicing is uh, – performance enhancing, it always has a different kind of sinisterness about it, which I think we're going to learn here soon in that uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, 30 for 30. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I think it comes out in two weekends. I think starts. two weekends. I haven't watched the Lance thing either. I've, you know, I kind of was like, I haven't oh, either. I have my Sundays back. I'm not going to go dip back in the well. I probably will eventually. But the Sosa McGuire one. Yeah, I'm excited was, about that one. That was right when we loved baseball. You know, we grew up with not, you know, I was it 98, 99. They had the home run chase. I think it was 98 when it happened. And those games all aired on like WGN. And you got a lot of yeah, we had all the Cardinal Cup stuff games. in here, mm-hmm. you know. So, ah, man, that was a heck of a time to be a, a little pee wee player. Were, were you? What, what little, were you Oklahoma Little League? Yeah, sounds like I you didn't think play of, Little League for a while. I, I did. I wasn't much baseball guy growing up, but yeah, Oklahoma. I played at Camp Taylor one year. I had a nice little knuckle curve, but then when people threw <laughs> curves at me, I couldn't. I couldn't hit that. Couldn't swing. Big swing and a miss. You know, they say you're not supposed to do that to your arm at an early age. Well, the thing is, like, if if I threw it just the way my hand placement on the ball, so it would basically you just like get you get the ball in the middle finger, kind mm-hmm. of, and it would it would just automatically have a little bit of spin to it. So you right. know, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But other folks, they were they were might as well <laughs> been cheating. They were throwing those curveballs so hard. That's what made me quit and get onto the gridiron where. We got a lot of football to talk for not a lot happening between the last time we spoke, and that's because we spoke to the big guy, TW3, Terry Touchdown Wilson. If you haven't listened to it or watched it, it's on Kentucky Sports Radio's YouTube feed. Um, we're there. You can watch this. I only briefly brought up a few plays that he kind of, you know, a little bit talked me through. Uh, and then he also – but if you're busy, I threw the interview on the KSR football podcast feed because no shots fired at us. There's a few more subscribers there. And just giving people a platform to, to listen to Terry that otherwise didn't have time to sit down and watch it. And I hope all of you all did because, look, at, I've talked to Terry God knows how many times. It's usually in a crowded uh, little media huddle. But to get with him one-on-one and, and talk to him at, at this stage in his career, I thought it was a, a very enlightening conversation. I did very much enjoy the film breakdown that you did. Just kind oh. of going, what are you seeing here? What are you looking for? What are you running? Mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed that. And then we, he kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit and talked about that Texas A&M game, about – yeah. How he was seeing ghosts <laughs> and how much he was struggling at, at at that point. And so I really did – I really did like that. That was really good. You just kind of – because you don't get to hear, hear those guys really 
get into the weeds yes. and tell you what, what they were looking at here, what they found there, um, this and that. So very much, I thought that was very good. If you haven't checked it out, you need to go, go do that. My man Roush pulls up a play and Terry walks you through it. Well, and it was, um, it was one of those things where I knew it couldn't be great, but it's like, Hey, we can have these tools now. So yeah, let's absolutely. use them. I figured out how to use the screen share thing, like 30, 45 minutes beforehand. And I wanted to get some good plays uh, just because you're going to open up a little bit more uh, in that sense. But really, at, at the heart of it all, I was thinking back to that Texas A&M game. I was thinking, what's the most difficult part of – like, where, where's Terry struggled the most? And I felt like it was always in the area of when do you run versus when do you pass. And so I, I tried to get some clips. and. I thought there might be some sort of hard and fast rule that Darren Henshaw made or something so that when X happens, you do Z or when a happens, you do B. But what I learned from it was that like, there's no, that's what makes the quarterback's job so difficult is that as Stoops would say, sometimes it's about instincts. Uh, you know, Mike Edwards, great instinctual guy. He says, Sean Taylor is as physically gifted as he was. His instincts were the best he's ever been around. And I think for a quarterback, I had the Bouvier play and another play where he just tucked it and ran for like 20 yards. And really it came down to, well, it was down in distance and I didn't have a guy screaming at me, you know. There's a little bit of difference when somebody's in your face rushing. And so the, I, I think that it, it makes it, – it actually kind of gives us a job that it's so difficult because we can critique the hell out of their decision-making and whether they should have passed it thrown it, you know, ran it or what have you, uh, till the, the long day ends. Because I don't know how many times you've been in the stands at Kroger Field, like, and you've heard somebody, why isn't he throwing the ball? Why isn't he running the ball? Or, you know, just <laughs> Joe Coach in the background questioning quarterback's decision-making. You got to love the bleacher OC. But oh, I absolutely love it. Terry, just a young quarterback. It was A lot of it was just – if you go back and remember the Central Michigan game – that first half, he really kind of stunk it up with some of the reads through. I think he had an interception or two. And then after that game, I think Henshaw said something like, we're just going to, like, make his reads smaller, give him some more, like, half-field reads, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I think at Florida, South Carolina early in the season, he had some success with that. And I bet if you go back and watch the tape, A&M did something that he hadn't really seen before. Mm-hmm. And in a big game, in that environment, bright yeah. lights, you just kind of – shrunk the one thing I, I will definitely critique myself on sometimes i get um you know i try to here, here's a little trick of the trade if you're a little bit more relatable to the guys you know they're they're more willing to open up to you at right. least that's what i've found um and it used to be when avery williamson and i had class together that was how i related to him like oh man that stats test sucked <laughs> and then you do the interview and it kind of loosens them up a little bit now we're talking about kids and pregnancy and all this kind of stuff and that's how we relate but you can it, it kind of disarms the people and you get a little bit more honesty and in terry's situation I, that that game there was plenty of people angry about it but you know what i thought it showed a sign of growth that he's willing to reflect back on that and say man i really stunk it up there and 
I know that it's the, the first step is acceptance. And I, I think that's kind of where Terry's at right now, where he can look back at the film and say, man, those were all really dumb plays that, you know, I, I might've gotten in my own head a little bit too much instead of just, just playing some football. Just being a quarterback, first year starter in the SEC. Anal- paralysis by pains. analysis. Mm-hmm. That, that whole deal. Uh, you so you have to go through the fire to learn how to survive. <laughs> yeah. So some, you're sure. going to get burned. And that, that was his, you know, baptism by fire moment. It just sucked that Kentucky <laughs> was his damn close to winning that football game. And if you win that game, you know, you're 6-0 and going into – what was I think they had a bye week the week after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, that, <laughs> you're talking – Kentucky's the talk of college football there for pretty much a month there in October. Right, if you win right. that game. But uh, they came up just short, unfortunately. And the thing that I also kind of was su- surprised by, in a sense, is how uh, – there, there's something that I always go back to um, in, in going back to kind of the, the relatable thing like it. I have to remember what I was doing when I was their age. And when I was right at like 22, I broke my ankle walking to class. <laughs> and yeah, oh, it was, was it, it was, snowing outside. Oh yeah, there was ice on the ground. The worst part was that the last words I heard were "Watch out, it's slick." And then I just did you know it heels. as soon as you did it? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I heard it crunch. Uh, my my butt landed on my foot, which oh, I'm lucky that I didn't like tear my knee up, but I, I tore my ankle up and. <sighs> It was it was hell, but I wasn't also a, an athlete that had to go through the rehab. And, like, my, my wife was, did not fully uh, encompass athletics, but it was a very reflective time in my life. It was very changing because I, I just – you look in the mirror a lot when stuff like that happens. And I was right around that age. I was 22-ish or so. And I think Terry was in a similar I, – I think this could be a kind of uh, – the amount of things that have changed since when he started that game last year in his life versus now where he's a college graduate now, that's a big step for a lot of people. He checked that box. He's going to be a dad in a few months and Oh yeah. He just went through like an 11 month rehab process. So I think mentally the part where going into that Missouri game. So that's what it was. It was Texas A&M Bowie Missouri game. And Mark Stoops tries out Danny Clark for a little while. And I even, Hell, Stoops even came up to me before the game on the field, and you know, so what's the word? And I was like, "Well, the Vanderbilt." Well, just stop you. Bye, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. And he was bad against Van. I mean, he was on. He's probably worse. It was windy and nasty. Yeah. And they threw oh, ten times. I've never felt wind like that night in that stadium. <laughs> it was like eighty mile per hour gusts. Oh man! And that anyway. was, you're right. It was bad. Mm-hmm. And. That whole week, I kill. I'm I'm writing stuff, calling the fans a bunch of idiots. I'm sure a lot right. of you hated me uh, for a while, but there was just so much bad blood. And to go back to that growth, I think Terry's at a point now where the stuff that used to bother him just won't anymore because he's got bigger fish to fry. He's going to have a baby to deal with. He doesn't have time to scroll through Twitter and worry about all this junk. And that's why I think you're going to get the best version of Terry Wilson possible. Uh, Sands coming off older rehab. There's, there's most almost certainly going to be some rust there, but I think just from a mental standpoint, you can really see the growth that he's taken throughout this time. 
He's at 90%. He's been able to throw with his guys for the last few months. So I'm encouraged, excited about what Terry Wilson can do. And I think another part of his two bucket is do you get a feeling that they were I, I get this feeling that they had some stuff cooked up for us last year that we didn't get to see. Yeah, I definitely think they were getting ready to unleash some stuff there against Florida and they couldn't because they right, lost their right. against Eastern Michigan. So there was definitely probably some of the offense that they didn't get to really use because their quarterback was knocked out of this for the season. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for that and to see what, how they can kind of integrate Lynn Bowden stuff, maybe just, you know, run schemes, stuff like that. Yeah. That into the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know how you could watch that or listen to that and not get excited about football though. It's 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 <laughs> I mean, coming, man. I think it's just, gonna happen. Just to have Terry talking like, okay, things are coming back soon. Uh, more and more places are talking about reopening. I'm surprised we haven't heard yet from Mitch Barnhart, but I guess you know if they start coming back, they got another week too. Uh, yeah, like we like eight. we talked about last week. There's still a lot of time, so I think it's better to be patient right, right. now than to get a little ahead of yourself put the put the horse before the cart as yeah. uh, my radio producer trevor kelsey likes to say <laughs> but I, I would like to say there, there are a couple other quotes too that got me fired up from another interview and this one was from uh, kyle tucker did you read kyle tucker's story in the athletic uh, i did Adam i read i read it's the state of the program series i read just about all of those so from I did check it out Everybody in the SEC or just like all of them, period? They do all of them. I try to read as many as I can. Oh, wow. And you got to do the research, my man. <laughs> I, this, I'm just not born with this knowledge. Like, I got to go out and find it. It just, just, pop, just, just <laughs> doesn't pop in my head. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And, and I think the thing that's good about that is, you know, for me, it's 3,000 words on the athletic. I don't need to read all of them. But for somebody outside of the program to see, especially how places have been recruiting and like different strengths. Uh, it probably paints a, a good broad stroke for folks like Adam Luckett to get some, some early research in before, uh, you know, Phil Steele comes out and you don't have to read a bunch of abbreviations. Probably the best thing on this athletic piece, really two things I really like. They do a percentage breakdown of starts returning. So our, our stats. Right. Production, just raw production. So, yeah. so you get to see that for every position and then you get to see, their recruiting ranking over, I think it's a four or five year period. And then it's some, it's called the Massey index. So some type of computer ranking. And like it kind of, it shows you a chart or graph, like mm-hmm. how have they performed compared to their recruiting rankings. Gotcha. So those are the best two things I think um, the athletic gives you. And then they've got some quotes in there. Um, a lot of places they'll have the both coordinators talk, but Kentucky only had Stoops quotes in there. But he definitely, they weren't just, you know, can of, uh, can of corn type quotes. Right, I mean, right. He, he went a little out on the limb. Man, some I, stuff. Especially when he said, uh, some of it you get the sense that Stoops is kind of taking a victory lap where he says, you know, you can do this gimmicky stuff for a little while, but yeah. good players are good players. This is this, this football. Here's the exact quote. If they wanted a gimmicky guy, they would have gone out and hired a gimmicky guy. I don't believe you'll stay in the test of the time that way, but that's just my opinion. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I just believe in the way we're doing it. I believe ours is a good model to be consistent. 
don't get me wrong, there are other guys who are gimmicky and win, but generally when those teams are elite for a year here or there, it's because they have good players. It always comes down to have good having good players. Let's not kid ourselves. You think he's comfortable right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think he feels good about where he's at? Oh, man. That, that's what that told me. I mean, I'm also, one, is that a sh- who's that a shot at? Mike Leach. I guarantee it's a shot at Mike Leach for coming in the league. Is it a shot too at Petrino and Lamar Jackson too? Nah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, well, they had good players back then, but that was a gimmick. I guarantee, I like, you look at some of these hires like Leach, Kiffin, yeah, or both Kiffin's these, big, one. these yeah. big flashy hires, and like Stoops <laughs> is just. You know, We're gonna run seeing, the damn ball. Well, he sees he's seeing some of these defensive coaches get kind of chewed up and spit out. Barry Odom, most notably, recently. Yeah. So, and then you see Chad Morris. That was one of these gimmicky hires. Like, right. Like, this right. guy runs a good offense, and he just, Man. I mean, he got he got slaughtered for lack of a better term. For I mean, he couldn't even make it for two full years. No so, pun intended. So I think Stoops is just. It's very like comfortable in his own skin kind of comment. Like, this right. is how you do things. I know how to win. This is how we do it. You can, you can do it a certain way if you want, and that could work for you. But it's about getting players. Really, it's two things. It was you have to, you know, you have to have an identity, but you also be have to be able to recruit. So, well, and to that point, you know, he he uses you knocking down some doors. Winning ten games, going and beating teams like New Penn State and New Year's Day Bowls. Jagger Burton did an interview with Dave Lackford last week, who I like Dave a lot. Dave works for the rival site. He just got promoted up to Ohio State's website. He was just doing the kind of local kids in Kentucky. But Dave is one who's he's he's pissed off a lot of UK fans because he just tells it, you know, however he wants to tell it. He's a straight shooter. He didn't he doesn't have any teams he's fans of so he just makes everybody mad which i, I could appreciate those kind of guys he's a, he's a philly guy he just likes the eagles anyway um so what you call a heel i think is what you're going for yeah you know kind of kind of sort of he's he not afraid to share his opinion we'll just say that but he interviews jagger burton and there was a a moment where you know it's 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 kind of his i made it to the ohio state site let me get a big ohio state recruit and just talk to him about things for a while so he's not wanting to just lay it on thick and kind of, you know, this isn't me and Freddie interviewing Jagger. This is just let's talk recruiting and kind of put all of our cards on the table and talk about each different school. And when he got to Kentucky, it was almost as if not Jagger was defending Kentucky, but the way he put it was, hey, these guys are in my top seven. I, I consider them to be, you know, all in the same company. People think it's Kentucky just because it's home school. I mean, they're beating Penn State and Virginia Tech in bowl games. And his words, too, were they're dominating them. They're physically beating them up up front. And that goes back to the recruiting. That's what they're selling. And if they get guys like Jagger, they can continue dominating people in the trenches. And Stoops mentioned the offensive line, the success they've had is open doors in recruiting. To recruit at a higher level, that's kind of talking about right, right. Jagger Burton. Exactly, exactly. Who, uh, if you want more of that Jagger Burton interview, I, I posted it on KSR. Uh, it's th- th- there was one interesting point, too, lucky that we don't have to dive into real deep here. But Jagger mentioned the nil stuff briefly. 
and talked about, like they asked about a package deal. And he was like, you know, Dekel and I, we always said it, but we got to do what's best for us. But if we go to the same place, cool. You just have to brand yourself early on. Like it's, it's, it's key to do that with nil rights and stuff like that to create a connection. He's like, that's why I share. If people make a graphic of me at their school, I'm going to share it to try to get more fans. So wherever I go to school, you know, the nil rights come into play. That's the first time I've ever heard a recruit talk about that at all. And I just, I was like, man, that's some next level stuff over here. My hamster wheels are three steps back, you know, and, and this guy, he's 17 and he's already thinking about, ways in which he can benefit most from pending legislation. I know Nebraska and I think a few other schools have gone this route where they've, they've hired like a marketing agency or oh, somebody you, to come in and kind of sit. Don't fall for it. Like it. I swear. Well, I'm just saying like, they're like, they're setting up this where yeah. they're going to try to give these kids a platform to help them make money or off their name image likeness. I got so, so triggered when that article came out. I hate to cut you off, but I got <laughs> because it's uh, the people do it. I think their company's called like Influencer, but it's like yeah, that's Neil like Brown's doing it too. He's got somebody. That UK's they're doing done it. With it. People have done it forever, and people. Th- this news artist, I don't know if it's Football Scoop or who was it that had out there. It was like I think Nebraska, it was Athletic. Nebraska doing first of its kind branding thing. It's like no, this same company. If you go to that company's website, they say they've been to like. 70 something different schools and UK was one of them. I Scott Frost reinventing the wheel. It's it's like he's made a ugh. Hey look, it, it's basically there's like a, a a a wheel stand that says, "Hey look, we got a bunch of new wheels." And then Scott Frost pulls up next to it and says, "Look at me. I invented the wheel." <laughs> you get the hell out of here, Scott Frost. Jesus Christ. I'll let that get me all sorts of sides. I, I would hate to see if Scott Frost ever actually does catch him with a big season. What's your oh, take's man. gonna it's, be on it's it? It's gonna be it's gonna be rough. <laughs> it's gonna be real rough. So uh, Ain't play nobody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Big Ten West. Uh, <laughs> might as well be the ACC coastal. <laughs> oh, but the, the the other things I did want to get to in that athletic article that, that Stoops said. Stoops isn't quick to praise people, but he's really been gassing up Boogie and Bohanna this offseason. I think this is the first time I had seen this much on Bohanna, but he he isn't shying away from from pumping those guys up like it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Boogie. One thing I want to say right quick, like there's starting to be this narrative built that Boogie's going to have like the senior jump like Josh Allen. That could happen, but Josh Allen moved positions. Josh Allen went to Jack, which is the weak side defensive end pretty much, and that spot is built like to get tackles for loss, to get sacks, to get negative plays. Obviously, Josh Allen blew the hell up and destroyed it, but that spot you should be getting bare minimum 10, 11 tackles for loss, five, six sacks if you're playing a lot of snaps. Boogie's not moving to that position. His his is going to be different. Like He's not going to be – rushing the passer all the time. Sometimes he's going to be out in coverage. He's going to have, you know, different type of run fits where he's going to have to eat up blocks and not necessarily make tackles. So, like, he could have a big year, but it's not going to be the numbers even close to what Josh Allen put up, even in a smaller, like, normal realm. So, yeah. I just I think we need – like, that comparison, I get why people are making it, but it's, it's different because Josh moved to that jack spot where Boogie's staying at Sam. So it's just it's it's different, and that's why Stoops 
made sure to start off the top of that caveat that not just as a pass rusher, but what he's been able to do on his feet, right? Yeah. How yes, he's been able to yes. operate in space presents some real challenges for offense that we're playing a guy that big on the perimeter into the field. It takes a special guy to be able to do those things. So I'm high on Boogie. What he means by that is just to not get, you know, pinballed or cut to be able to fight off blocks and stretch out plays and keep contained so the rest of the defense can catch up. Cause that's, that's the job of that, that strong side backer is to take off blocks, um, you know, protect the edge and try really try to get everything going back inside. And for the lack of a better ter- uh, term, they're the traditional th- uh, third outside. The, the Boogie's position, that Sam, that's your typical outside linebacker in a 4-3. Yes. So when they go in even front, the Jack is always down in a, a three-point stance. They're the one that's always rushing the pass rusher. So – to be able to get Boogie in more pass rushing situations, they either got to go into their magic package where it's we're just going to tee off with three down or they've, they've got to go with a, a funky front and put whoever's jack out on an island, whether it be Jordan Wright or, or who else. And you can only do that in so many situations where they're on the field side and you, you don't have to get that guy stuck out on an island. Yeah, I mean, typically you would take – your Sam out when you went nickel. Yeah. And then in dime, you usually take – you would take like your nose guard out or whatever. So, you you would have a 3-2 kind of 6, and then you would have a 4-2-5 and a nickel. So, 3-2-6 and dime, 4-2-5 and nickel. Unless they, you're playing they can, NCAA football and you yeah. just keep the mic in. <laughs> right. But then what they can do now is kind of – you can get creative with that type of stuff. Like, Boogie can be your number one kind of – edge rusher in the, in those situations. It doesn't have to be your jack. You can move that around or, like, linebackers could have a numbers crutch inside linebackers. So, you well, could take one of those out necessarily and keep your two outside backers in. So, you they can you can, you can can mess with the numbers a little bit to get in your advantage. And, and I know this sounds like the most like, uh, die, but the best way for Boogie to – become a better producer in the stat sheet is on first down by throwing people off and make kind of getting those them into some obvious pass situations. Like, yeah, if you stop them early, it's easier to stop them later on in downs. But I, I that's been Kentucky. I think not their crutch at times, but getting into third and four situations, third and four or less hasn't been good for that side of the ball. But this year, that could be different because they've got a guy like Quentin Bohanna eating up. He's a two gapper, as uh, Daryl Colblock used to say. And I'm I'm curious what the kind of expectations are for Bohanna because Stoops said he expects a big jump. Last year he played. He started all 13 games. Um, instead of he's now up to 19 consecutive starts. His his sophomore year he really got off the wrong foot, uh, figuratively and literally, because he had ankle problems. It took him about half the season before you could get back in the lineup. But I'm curious just from a – I mean, he's, he started all 13 games. He only had 18 tackles. So, what what is their ideal production for a guy I, – I just – I don't know what kind of impact that they expect Luckett because ideally noses don't make a lot of plays. But the way they talk about this guy, he sounds like he's good enough to make those kind of plays. 
yeah, for what we've seen for Kentucky's defense, it's a, a plug tight front. You got your three down. You want them to take up blocks, and then you want your your backers to run free, or your you know your force safety, which has been use of Corker to be able to come downhill and make a lot of tackles. And what we saw with Mike Edwards too, in kind right. of the same type of situation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's an, that's an interesting question because do does Kentucky try to get more aggressive with their front maybe do some more stunts shoot some more gaps and try to make negative plays with their big guys now they have more now they have more depth yeah they can maybe do some of that type of stuff they get some better athletes too man but kind of their identity though has just kind of been let's keep everything in front if we get the third down, we're going to win because we're going to, we can rush the passer. I mean, that's been the identity of the defense is keep everything in front. If they, they get some stuff on the ground, so be it. We're not going to give them big plays in the air. And then when they get a little greedy on first down, maybe at an incompletion, then we get them behind the chains. And then that's when our pass rush takes over. So this, this is where I that, really that's like been a formula that's worked for them. Get Stoops this year just for a little while, just to talk strategy because like guys like Pascal and Hoskins, if they're on your, I mean, Bohanna does not move. Pascal, like I think, is the big one just because of that kind of athleticism he brings to that spot. I think they a, think he's going to create a lot of problems. Right. So, you have – that's where I think that they can do things that they haven't done before. And maybe that, that's what Stoops is alluding to. Because for a guy who's 6'4", 370, Bohanna's got great feet. He gets off the ball incredibly well. So, you know, maybe that's opening it up. Uh, a twist for the guys to come back inside. And, he, and boy, even his backup game. is a damn force of nature. <laughs> yeah, boy. When he's in the game. Boy, McCall's I mean, so. I feel bad for centers whenever they got to go up against it because they just get dri- – I mean, every center he plays, he drives back um, <laughs> um, like almost every time. It just – he can't do it for very many snaps. But you kind of have to limit his, you know, his reps. But when he's in there, if he can give you 15 strong ones, like he is a – Awesome. He, he's a pain in the rear end that I deal with <laughs> for that offense. You know what I love about Billy McCall too? Like it. So the most boring part of a football practice is always the beginning. Cause it's, you know, they'll, they'll probably have a special teams period and they do their little individual stuff. You, you know, your, your wide receivers dance around some pads or run some routes. You know, it's kind of boring, but I started to get a real joy out of just watching those hogs hit pads because Billy McCall, I swear, he's going to just punch through one one day. That dude, he packs. That haymaker, it's like an anvil hitting you. The old school Bugs Bunny kind of stuff. I mean, it it is impressive to watch those dudes hit. So, uh, that's another part of Kyle's article. Just in its totality, gets you really excited for next year. And to your point, Luckett, about how they're kind of uh, typically a plug and free up for the linebackers. If you're really deep on your defensive line and your linebackers aren't so deep, wouldn't you try right. to set up your line to get a few more plays on the ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just food for thought. Mm-hmm. Food for thought. Well, maybe, maybe there might be a not necessarily scheme change, but just a stylistic emphasis tinkering kind of. with right where they might try to get more. You know, run stuff, tackles for loss, negative plays forced by that front, especially with that group. Because when you look at them, man, they should be mm-hmm. about 10, 11 deep this well, year. And I think it also speaks to, hey, you only need four to get after the passer. Uh, and they have talented – like DeAndre Square 
Well, I mean, he, he only hits play- well, but he's great dropping back, you know. And just his Anwar Stewart's position room, you're only playing three at a time. Right. That fourth guy is going to be that, that you know, J.J. Weaver mm-hmm. or uh, Justin – Jordan Wright, excuse me, or right. Xavier Peters ever gets out of the doghouse. Yeah, yeah. But then you – I mean, you just look down the line, there's a lot of guys there that can play. And then you're adding some, you know, that freshman class where – you figured some of those guys is going to be hard to keep on the bench. Yeah, yeah. that's exciting. It's really exciting. Uh, speaking of exciting, Kentucky got a commitment. They did. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah, that that one. I had heard that name once before, and it kind of. So I, I was a little thrown off, especially when you get the Friday afternoon one. It it kind of just like whoa whoa news. And, and especially during these times now where you're we're sitting around looking for some news to post, it's like, man, I wish something would happen so we could get this, you know, get this day over with. And then, bam, commitment. Uh, John Summerall, man, he's keeping them dice hot. He's rolling, man. And this guy comes from a familiar town in yeah. Georgia. LaGrange. Different high school. LaGrange. You like that? Is that a good ZZ top? I just needed You're getting the, there. Yeah, you know. You just get real deep and it's tough acapella. Yeah. Oh, You're no yeah, Andy you need... Bernard, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes treble. Um but Joku Willis comes from the, the joke. Oh man. I, this is gonna trip me up. Is that what we're saying? Is that how we're saying it? I just assume so because he, he Joku I just thought Joko. I thought that sounded cool. Joko from Juco. Yeah, that works. <laughs> oh, it's it's good. I'm gonna get so I'm gonna just call him Juco Willis by the time it's over. But Joko Willis from junior college. He went to Indy and I believe he redshirted last year because there wasn't any tape on him. So it I yeah, looks I like so that's what it was. Yeah, so it looks like he's gonna have uh three to play three. Yeah, yeah. And uh an inside linebacker, they needed backers. And and like it what what from his high school tape did when he was back in Lagrange did you like when you dove into that film? Well, first of all, they love the three to play three junior college players. Look at Marquez Bembry. Mm-hmm. You look at Jordan Phil Hunter. Hoskins. Yeah, Hoskins. Jeremy Flax. Was uh, the big dude in the middle? Was Melvin Lewis one of those? Yeah, he was another one. Yeah, and I think it's because. A lot of those times, I feel like those guys have some sort of injury or something. They're probably banged up from the JUCO level, and it lets them kind of break them in for a year before you get two full years out of them. Yeah, you kind of – I mean, you get a redshirt year for – Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like a better term, yeah. But with him, Willis, it's just the athleticism. I mean, the you know, twitchy is a word. We used to hear Mike Mayock say 8,000 times during the NFL draft. (laughs) But I mean, that's that's what he is. I mean, he's a twitch, twitched up athlete there at inside linebacker. He's a little skinny right now. Uh, he's probably bulked up at, at junior college. But I mean, he can just he sees instincts like we talked about earlier: see ball, hit ball. He gets it, he finds it, and he gets there fast. And on the tape, a lot of it was a lot of his best plays were when they asked him kind of the blitz or what looked like a blitz, mm-hmm. and it was just either running right past offensive linemen or, you know, beating them in short area quickness where it's like knocking their hands down and swiping them to the side and then going to make a play. 
So, really, it's just that athleticism he has. He played wide receiver on offense. So, I mean, that's the type of athlete you're kind of getting. Mm-hmm. And he's in the same mold, I think, as Jamin Davis and Chris Oates. Like, he's probably going to be at, you know, 230, 235 pounds. But he's going to be able to play both Mike and Will. So, he's interchangeable in that regard. And that's kind of how you're seeing linebacker that position change. You're not seeing the big, you know, 245, 250-pound Mike backers. You're seeing guys that can play kind of both inside spots or kind of the same. And that can guys that are really instinctual can get downhill fast, but also can bounce out and cover and play in space. And that's the kind of athlete he is. So you figure with that athleticism, he's going to be able to get out and cover people. You don't really see that on his high school tape. It's more of just, you know, him blitzing and stuff. But right, but right. That the tools are there and to make him a really interesting high ceiling prospect. And I also appreciate that in the first play of his highlight clip, he just suplexes a dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I it the most significant part of this addition though is it it kind of reflects what we talked about with Summerall last week when he said that. You know, our base is still in Kentucky, Ohio, and Michigan, but we can dip, you know, or, you know, we, we, we can dip into these waters if we need to. Fill the gaps. Yeah, and they, they needed to in this instance where uh, you had the one kid, Devin Williams, uh, Kentucky's first commitment in the class, flips to Minnesota, an Ohio kid, and then Jaden Hood, who – Michigan guy? Yeah, Michigan. Know, yeah, who they had recruited, uh, you know. Out he, of South Florida. He – goes to Michigan instead of Kentucky. And so you, you struck out on two guys right away and you need at least two in this class at inside, at maybe, maybe three, maybe four, who knows, mm-hmm. but you got to start somewhere. So you go to the South and you have summer all kind of fill in the cracks just to at least give you something um, because you can't really afford to strike out many other times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you're looking at three for this class. I think they would like to, get one high school and then one junior college guy and then the best of the bunch after that for that third spot. But you had to get a junior college guy that can come in and I think potentially contribute right away in 2021. And potentially that's what Willis is going to do. And I'll be very interested to see his tape this year because if he takes a step forward just with some of those athletic tools he has you could very easily see him blow up as a recruit this yeah, season he only had uh arkansas kansas state and mississippi state offers uh up until this point but the classic juco offers kansas state and mississippi state <laughs> uh but you I, I like you said you could see him blow up he, he has all the measurables maybe a little thin but you know you can put weight on anybody and he'll be playing with former uk linebacker trey wilkins this year at independence Wilkins with Tindy? Mm-hmm. Per his Twitter page. Oh. He never made an announcement, but on his Twitter page it says Independence. He's with Indy. I wonder what happened there. Yeah, because I always thought I always thought that was a weird transfer. Because didn't he announce it right before the bowl game? Or right it was, ar- it was early. Yeah. yeah. I always thought that was weird. I don't know if it was like a thing where, you know, his coach, Matt House, leaves, so he's like, I don't, yeah. know, I don't like this summer all guy. That'd be the only thing that would make well, sense to me. He was looking at going to have to sit the bench for a while. But he really but, but would have been a redshirt play- sophomore, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but three years is a long time for some people. 
and maybe he just thought, you know, I want to play right now. I don't really want to wait. So yeah. he decided to get out of there. Now, yeah. hindsight, I think he probably would have – not knowing whatever happened, but hindsight, it looks like yeah, you know, it would have been good idea to stick around maybe. Right, right, exactly. Uh, sorry for yawning there. <laughs> because they really don't have a backup at will right now. I mean, they – like – Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis is going to start at Mike, and then at, but Jared Casey and Bembry, I will both say are Mike's. I don't know if they can play that will spot. They're going to put uh, Casey. They were working Casey at will in spring. Okay. That was that was the first one because I think they knew that Bembry was a nat, more of a natural Mike. So okay, um, that's at least where they're starting. But Wilkins, I mean, that was I mean there was, was a spot yeah. for him to maybe play four or five snaps this year, and then you're kind of you know see what you can do. No, nope, you're exactly and, right. Exactly right. There's some other things around the college football world that we do need to get to. Uh, first, JT Daniels, the former five-star recruit transferring from USC to Georgia, a place where they already had Jamie Newton, a grad transfer, coming in. Pretty wild times. Uh, Kirby Smart, man, just keeps reeling in the five-star quarterbacks out of bucket. Yeah, with – Georgia and JT Daniels, I was trying to think of like a basketball comparison because you get – Kirby Smart's getting these top-shelf quarterbacks that everybody wants. He's bringing them in, but he has no track record of producing <laughs> with them. So, I, I just – I it's just – it's kind of befuddling, but uh, more power to him, man. Like, he, he's – I think he's – like the top dog recruiting right now, I don't. I don't see how you can go against what he's doing. He seems like the best of the bunch, and now he's adding another transfer. And I'm interested to see how that plays out for them. I uh, I want to liken it to Lorenzo Lorenzo Romar at Washington. Yeah, that's a good one. And I mean, hell, even with Hopkins there now, they're still getting dudes. Those guys at least get drafted high. I mean, but like Markel Fultz stinks. Uh, I'm trying to think of who some of those other guys that go through Washington. Because they all end up going being first round picks, even though if they yeah, don't that do Marquise anything, Chris, yeah, who ended up not doing anything in the NBA, uh, you had a a few other ones. They like they always got a legit top fifteen prospect. <laughs> they always draft, did. It seems like and and Jaden McDaniel's and uh, Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart yeah, they're going to be the same way. So I, I think it's kind of similar, except there's obviously much better results on the field, just not particularly at that position. And I love how much we kind of joked about the Jamie Newman hype train and it would just, it would, I think it would be so funny and it'd be such a great way to make fun of the ACC even more. If Jamie Newman doesn't even play this year, JT Daniels just walks right in and starts. Yeah. I think that they're probably Daniels is probably coming in knowing that it's probably going to be Newman's job because if you look at his waiver case, he doesn't have you know, him. like Johnny Ju- Johnny Juzang got cleared essentially because he decided to move home in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. JT Daniels is moving away from home, from <laughs> Los Angeles, California, to Athens, Georgia, in the middle of a pandemic. I don't. I mean, I don't think that's going right, to be good enough right. to get a waiver, or it shouldn't be. Is he where uh, we stand? He's originally from California, too, correct? Yeah, he went to that Matter Day school that produces all the players every yeah. year. So, well. It's still just – I find it to be absolutely hilarious. And hopefully uh, it can produce 
Hopefully he doesn't come back to bite Kentucky in the butt. But I just – I don't understand the uh, Georgia of all places. I understand Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. Like, that that all adds up to me. Uh, but I don't, I, don't, I don't get the Georgia thing. And maybe it's because I listen to Spencer Hall too much. But, I mean, JT Daniels, big arm, let's rip it down the field. And they're running, you know, little drags and out routes. Yeah, I mean, let's see what Munkin does. Like, what they're bringing in – if I had to guess, is they're trying to do kind of like what your cousin does, like a pro spread, 11 personnel, where they, they're still going to have – there you go, 11 person. They're <laughs> still going to have – He said the name. <laughs> you're still going to have, you know, like a physicality of how they run the ball and run it downhill a little bit, but they're going to be able to stretch the field vertically uh, with the passing game. So that's what they're trying to bring in. Now, this isn't going to be – a crazy offense where they're throwing it 50 times a game. Like, they're still going to want to run the ball, I think. No, oh, of course. It, it's Georgia. But just how how Munkin kind of, I don't know, builds his offense. I mean, that's what you that you, that's what you need to think is just kind of, you know, they're going to be in 11 personnel strictly, I would imagine, and they're going to take their fair share of deep shots in a game, and they're going to try to, you know, modernize the passing game to make it easier on a quarterback. They did not think they did not make things easy on Jake Fromm last year. No, not not at all, not at all. Uh, hey, what's up, Merle? Merle's Merle's joining the podcast. All right, so I've had Jag back here the whole time. I'm surprised he hadn't started chewing on his squeaker toy. <laughs> um, uh, before we get out of here, though, I do also want to mention the other big news: Justin Ross, who I think up with Jalen Waddell is, is Jamar Chase. Is he back for another year? Yeah, yeah, he's the number one guy, but but Ross like was right up there with them. Ross and Waddle uh, were probably you know two and two mm-hmm. a Ross out for the year. They it sounded really nasty, like he had a neck fusion or something. Was it his neck or his back? I don't. I think I thought it was, it was his back. I thought it read back. Either way, how does that happen after playing a full season? Two seasons, like he's been in college. This is going to be about being true junior, right? So I don't know how, like, when that would have happened that we just not would have not known about. Yeah. You know, X-ray show congenital fusion, a little bit of a bulging disc. So I guess that's where I got back. Okay, man, that's that's he, actually it was just, I mean, just to have it at symptoms. that age. You know, yeah, I don't know. That uh, I hope he has insurance. Right, right. Because he was – I mean, I, I know he wasn't of age, but that's a first-round pick who – Yeah, no doubter, for sure. You get neck back stuff. Like, that's that's millions of dollars it could cost you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Clemson, so, he was their only really pre- receiver. Now they've got all kinds of yeah, recruits waiting, right. waiting, but they don't have any proven production. He was their known quantity that yeah. Trevor Lawrence could go to was, and just throw yeah. it up whenever. It was him and Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. Which is a hell of a triumvirate. Right. So, real real shame to, to see him go, but um, I don't think people are going to cry too much over Clemson's No, we're not, we're not bad, feeling bad for little old Clemson. Yeah, we, we don't need the pity party but, for but, little young and upstart Clemson football Tigers. For Ross, though, you just hope it's not too bad, man. And then uh, – a good player. The, the other big loss uh, happened today. Pete Dye, the former Auburn coach, passed Pat away. Dye, yeah. Pat Dye, Pete Dye. Pete Dye was a Pete Dye's a golf guy. He makes some golf courses, I think. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's a, that's what I'm getting mixed up. Pat Dye 
coached at Auburn from 81 to 92, college football Hall of Famer, won four SEC titles, three in a row, which only six coaches have done that. One of them's Neyland, one of them's Saban, one of them's Bear. The, only the, the other Dewey, like only the best of the best have been able to accomplish that feat. Uh, he got Bo Jackson to the Plains. But the thing that I didn't know, Luckett, and I, I, I feel like I, I did know this, but it just kind of went over my head. But he was the one who made the Iron Bowl a home-and-home. Home. It was at Legion Field forever. Mm-hmm. And his first order of business was telling Bear Bryant, we got to get this game at Jordan-Hare. And from then on, I mean, with, without yeah. Pat Dye, we don't have the kick six. Auburn's going to win the football game. Yeah, Auburn's imagine, going to win the football game. Imagine if that was still a neutral site game. That would suck. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it great is, is the home atmospheres. And, and Pat Dye made that happen. Uh, rest, rest in peace, Pat Dye, who uh, kicked Kentucky's tail in every time he played him. 4 and 0 against Cats. Mm-hmm. Pat Dye was always kind of a regular on the Feinbaum show. He would go on there a lot. He was a good guest. He would go on there and complain about Auburn not being in the East. He wanted Auburn in the East. And he wanted them, he was upset that they didn't play Florida. You know, now they, they, like last year was the first time they played Florida in like a decade. Mm-hmm. And they used to play Florida every year. I did promise y'all that we'd get you out of here for too long. And we need to get out of here before my computer craps the bed. It's, it's been a technical difficulty kind of night. And, you know, wouldn't be KSR if there weren't some technical, technical difficulties every once in a while. But luck it. It's been a joy. I hope I hope you feel a little bit better after this. Feel good to talk ball? I do. It always feels good to talk ball. Uh, just hope everybody found this and we entertain you at least for an hour or so, however long we went. Yes. Hopefully uh, next week we'll, we'll be in a better spot. Yes, hopefully that'll be the end of that. Um, and hopefully things will get back to normal. Uh, I mean, I just kind of said what you said. And it was kind of inarticulate. It was actually much worse than what you said. So I'm going to take back everything that I said because what you said was much better. And I'm going to be saying more nonsensical things at some point on KSR in the coming two weeks or so, depending on how everything goes. Um, I know Matt's out on furlough. So we'll try to give you a little extra ball talk to to sideline you for a little bit. But we appreciate you all listening and subscribing. Uh, And stay safe out there, everyone. We've said that before, but we're saying it a little bit different now. Like it, it's taking on different meetings in 2020. Yes, it is, my man. Well, for Adam and for me, Nick Roush, uh, take care, Kentucky. Take care, Big Blue Nation. And we'll be talking to you soon. This has been 11 Personnel.